1: Soccer Show Black Friday special. It's our review of World Cup Day 5. It's another point on the board for the USA who comfortably kept the three lions at bay. For the English, this game was pretty dire. I mean, one of the best players was Harry Maguire. But it was a good test for Dest and the rest who impressed and didn't look stressed as the US progressed on this quest. (laughs) <laughs> Qatar scored their first World Cup goal, but Senegal were in cruise control. The hosts are eliminated and have no excuses before them and their human rights abuses for the welsh it was all going to plan until they went a man down against iran too late goals proved to be their undoing it surely left robert page stewing and in group a two teams have a points tally of four it's the netherlands and ecuador and a valencia up the stakes for the nation that loves a schmuck and a pancake my name's ryan bailey joining me today a man who did a shooey on a live broadcast not that long ago taylor rockwell hello my mouth is wide
2: open. Every, I guess we need England to play worse at a World Cup, <laughs> so then Ryan brings the heat to these introductions. That was incredible, Ryan Bailey. Absolutely incredible. I'm banging the table. That's how strong of a performance that was. Mm. You could have started for England today.
3: My my favorite, good pa- My favorite part of that, all, all that whole thing, this is the joy of recording in person, of Ryan finished his rapid fire, desk, stressed, whatever it was, and looked up at all of us for approval uh, before he carried uh, on. <laughs> you see what I did there?
4: Huh? Also, guys,
3: guys, guys, I done a swear. Did you hear it?
1: that was very good. You told us you were going to do it, I was still surprised. Here we go, uh, joining us, you just heard his voice, it's a man who doesn't, who hasn't wiped his hands on any photographer's bibs
3: today, to my knowledge, Joe Lowry, Hello. I was going to say, you don't know, you don't know, no I haven't. Weston McKinney, however, has, that was one of the best moments of the nil-nil draw we saw between the US and England today. Weston McKinney's just kind of a lovable guy, I like the half second that yep. it takes a photographer to realize what's going on, McKinney doesn't ask, he doesn't say anything, he just does it. A good moment Ryan. A good moment,
1: very good indeed. Rounding out our pack as always. A man whose mum thought he might be supporting <laughs> England today, Graham Ruthven, say hello to your mum from me, will you <laughs> <laughs>
4: That sounded lascivious, man. I don't yeah, know how I feel about that. I, I don't know why my mum thinks I'd be supporting England. Maybe she's just so sympathetic to me not having a team to support at this World Cup that I would support anyone, and I mean anyone. But no, at this World Cup, I am USMNT through and through, apart from when the food arrives and yeah. then I'm out that room in a flash. Of but food yeah. trumps my USMNT fandom. That's v- fair. View behind the curtain, uh, Yeah, uh,
2: after we did our like pregame show, BR mentioned that, hey, there's uh, tacos in the kitchen. Ryan and Ryan and Graham took off for those tacos. Joe Lowry had some words about about the, the dedication No, he didn't really. He was he just I may or may not have said uh, light, what shoot
3: what did I say? <laughs> lightweights. Yeah, lightweights, that's what it was. Lightweights. <laughs> uh, but true. what I'm getting from,
2: wrong. <laughs> what I'm getting from this introduction is that Ryan like clearly knows that your mother thought you might be supporting uh,
1: England instead of Scotland. I feel like Ryan's had a word. Ryan, have you been in, in contact with Graham's uh, parentals? I couldn't possibly say in recorded uh, environment, tete. We haven't told Graham yet. Okay. This is dodgy ground. This is... Keep it moving. Keep Hold me moving. back. Hold me back. <laughs> Anywho, moving swiftly along. Guys, great news. If you're in the New York metropolitan area, we are doing a watch-along, a watch party, this here Sunday, the 27th, for Spain versus Germany, the game that kicks off at 2 Eastern. Graham, tell us about it.
4: Yeah, so Spain versus Germany should be a very good game and I do mean that Germany need the points after their shock defeat to Japan in match day one. Uh, 15 bucks uh, a ticket plus booking fee at Sart Park Life if you were at our live show at Littlefield. It's on the other side of the wall so just walk around the <laughs> block and you will find it. We'll have big screens on and in every room we've hired out the whole bar there'll be a quiz. I'm pretty sure we'll make fun of Ryan in some way, uh, <laughs> shape or form. Uh, should be good fun. Yeah, please come along. We've returned the guitar we rented but Ryan has promised to do some acapella numbers. Uh, of he course. Said he
2: needs
1: no backing track. He's got this. So it should be fun. Uh, Joe, you know, we have our list of guests we can invite. Just, I need to put Mrs. Ratham on there. Remind me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got it. Uh, also, I've pat- had enough of this. <laughs> Patreon. We've got a Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show. Just for this World Cup tournament. We're putting some special content out, content out on there. Easy for me to say. Uh, we're doing a podcast every day. We're doing written pieces every day. We're putting up videos of us.
3: Cooking and stuff? Yeah, there were some Thanksgiving videos of Master Chef Taylor doing some, some Master Chefery. And then Graham earlier today recorded a video with me about how he would get the jersey of whichever USMNT player scored mm. the game winning goal. Graham, I hate to say it. Well, maybe maybe it's a good thing that you're not getting one of those ugly USMNT jerseys because it was the away ones today, yeah. which I think are actually worse. But either way, no USMNT but, kit for you.
4: Well, the US did win 0 0, so do yeah. I have to get the, no player on the back? I think of you, that I shirt? Think you oh. just get double zero on the back okay. and no name. Sure. Here we go.
3: Fair enough. Graham just really
2: wants a U.S. kit. Pretty much. That's oh, what I'm hearing. They're so nice. They're, they're my n- favorite. They're
4: n- yeah, okay. <laughs>
2: that was delivered with no smiles in his eyes. I just want that very they're clear. They're so nice. <laughs> Even less of a smile in my eyes than normal. I'm, I'm happy that Ryan is happy right now. I wasn't sure we would have Ri- happy Ryan Bailey uh, after that introduction and after full time. Hi, Ryan. How you doing, buddy? I was just
1: thinking about Mrs. No, I'm going to go there again. Uh, let's talk about the main game. USA 0, England 0. Another massive victory for the US at the World Cup against England, following on from that 1-1 victory in 2010. Of course, Joe, England still have never beaten the US in this competition in all seriousness. England still has zero SEC championships. England has zero World Series. England has zero Bojangles locations. England has zero public bathroom stalls with giant gaps in the doors for no reason whatsoever. (laughs) What is going on with my country, Joe?
3: What a... Taylor is oh, fully gone oh, 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 at this point. God,
1: it, it was so
2: intense. It was so intense. <laughs>
3: so one
4: of those things you should be happy about not having, to be very clear, that is the gaps in the bathroom stall. No, the Bojangles. No, okay. the Bojangles. So, someone explain those to me, please. That's on anyone. explain? I it's so that you can make eye contact, eye contact. with the person on the mm. stall. Just, are you in there? Mm. Okay. Yeah. I can see you. Yeah. You, eye need a, you need well a nod. Defec- yeah, you need eye to make sure they're well not defecating. Is the best kind of eye contact. I have heard that. Yeah.
2: Sometimes you gotta touch feet with the sitting congressman in the stall next to you. Mm. No deep cut reference for
1: anybody who remembers that one. Ryan, back to you. Back I to think- me, Joe. <laughs> it <laughs> wasn't back to me. <laughs> it was a draw. Who was the real winner here? Was it the millions who tuned in to watch this game on Black Friday for possibly the biggest uh, television audience in U.S. soccer history? N-
3: no, but also not no. Like, yeah. Okay, so yeah. I'm, I'm sort of torn on this, right? You want a goal. And a game like this that is most likely, as you said, Ryan, a, a really well-watched game, probably broke a lot of records in the United States for TV ratings. You want goals scored in a game like this. At the same time, I do think it it does something. I don't know what exactly. It does something for soccer in the United States. To have the U.S. on Black Friday in this big-time game that Fox has been pouring money into, having them be the better team, right? I think England genuinely—I think the U.S., excuse me, genuinely was the better team today against England. Now, I'm frustrated that they did not get on the board. I would not have been so frustrated before the game if you'd offered me a nil-nil draw. But knowing how things played out and seeing how the U.S. really did maybe have a push or two in them at the end and and did have some chances throughout to get three points, which would put them in a better spot against Iran on the final day— They don't get that, and that does frustrate me a bit, but I still feel something, and I still feel some positivity surrounding this game and for what maybe it meant to the folks watching even without a goal or two.
4: Yeah, I mean, there was plenty of things to, to like about the U.S. performance. Individually, a good number of players turned up. So Tyler Adams, Sergino Dest, Wes McKenney. I know there wasn't the final product, but I felt, I felt Christian Pulisic was as dangerous as I've seen him for, for a while. Hmm. He was taking on opponents. He was taking shots uh, like the one that, that crashed the bar. His decision-making wasn't perfect, but there was an intent to be incisive. And there was also that, that underdog spirit that has defined great U.S teams at World Cups before, and I know Berhalter's got this great mission of he wants to change the way the world views American soccer, but I think to have that spirit is still hugely valuable in games like that, and that was there in abundance. No, Grim, I I think he actually, I think the US accomplished some of that
3: goal today. I think Berhalter always, with that statement of changing the way the world views American soccer, wanted it to be almost done in a stylistic sense, right, Berhalter talking Mm -hmm. about, we want the US to play with the ball, and that's going to change things, and we didn't really see that today. But, I mean, a result against England on a big stage at a World Cup that keeps you in contention to get out of this tournament is something towards that goal.
2: Yeah. I I think where I am on this one is that heading into it, I really could see it being England 5-0. It could be 0-0. Maybe the U.S. gets a win. But a lot of permutations in terms of the way the game would play out in formations and personnel, I was... Kind of unsure what to hope for. My, my hopes would have been uh, the U.S. to be smart defensively, not overly defensive. I think they were definitely that. I wanted them to fight for everything, not give England easy opportunities, uh, win some second balls. I think they did that. I wanted them to show attacking intent uh, and move the ball quickly, which they mostly did, including some pretty uh, long dribbles. I wanted them to cause England problems with system or approach. I think mostly did that yes. only thing that they didn't do is score that goal yeah. they limited Harry Kane and at the end of the day it's a weird barometer for me but when my dad texts me hey th- these guys can play like he is usually one who's like we were bad or we were good so to get a, a positive one to me means he was watching this game and seeing the US perform pretty well and I think they did and, right. and, I,
4: and I even think for Berhalter's point of view as well a lot of the decisions that he made for this game were were right um, I, I liked the the four four two 2 shape from, from the start I think we were all a little bit surprised to see that but the primary purpose seemed to be to stop the US playing through the middle and that succeeded England, England playing through the middle Yes, yeah, so yeah. England played through the middle excuse me yeah, so some I mean, it, of the, c- it could be both <laughs> <know>. maybe, maybe <laughs> it was, it was a bit. Yeah. <laughs> exactly so if uh, there's lots of things to like it wasn't the perfect performance by the US there wasn't mm-hmm. I'm still concerned about the chance creation yep. going into that Iran game but it was a decent enough performance
3: Okay. I so I know we'll talk more about the USMNT I do want to hear from Ryan yep. because we watched this game with Ryan which was an interesting experience I think you kept a lot of your potential rage bottle up inside right what did you think watching this game how did you think england played maybe less about the u.s
1: i'm glad you feel i kept the rage inside because i felt like i kept tutting and making comments all the way through but maybe you were just absorbed in, i was on the opposite side of the, the room the yeah. side of the fence which is <laughs> completely fair i've i think i've got a theory about england and i think this um this approach they have may be by design i think there's a there's like a, a dial on the wall and one side is be sluggish and slow uh, be a bit nervy mm-hmm. and don't po- cause any threat in the end third um, just battle out for a draw and then it's the other side where you turn it over it's the performance against Iran it's the last 20 minutes against Germany mm-hmm. in that friendly before this tournament where things get a bit exciting and actually try and push forward and be positive and create things and the dial was very much on that former side for this game and I think Graham made a good comparison to the England-Scotland game at Euro 2020 where it was very much the same um, approach from England and pr- maybe from Scotland too mm-hmm. and I was very, very upset by this game because it was a poor performance. England looked yeah. absolutely sluggish, particularly in the first half, completely lacking inspiration going forward. Impotent, I'd say, going forward. Nervy at the back and allowing far mm-hmm. too many chances. And, you know, all credit to the US for creating them, but England allowed them. And just, I think tell you said that they lost every one, one-on-one, it felt like to me, England did. They just didn't mm-hmm. want it as much, which sounds very Harry Redknapp <laughs> cliche. But
4: it's true because well, the yeah. US got to those first balls, it seemed to me. It, Sorry, Gary, go on. No, I was just to say, I, I completely agree. And I, I, again, maybe this is a little bit higher reading that. But once you get into the final phase of, of, of this game, I think the US are kind of in their head figuring out what the approach is, is at that point of the match. They're waiting for England to make their substitutions so they can react. But from the England's point of view, it was kind of just a little bit... Eh? OK, yeah. this, is, this, is, this is fine. It's not terrible. It's not good either. But it, it was kind of just going through the motions in those last 20 minutes or so.
2: Which is where I think I've only had a chance to rewatch like bits and pieces of this game so far. We're recording fairly fairly soon after the final whistle. Uh, and I think the thing that was really interesting to me is watching the game live. There's so much intensity. There's so much emotion that even when Ryan was saying, like, you, you all have had more of the ball. You all have had the better chances. I was like, that cannot be true. Oh, England yeah. at any moment can spring a counterattack. England at any moment can get that goal. And rewatching it again, no. like The United States were the dominant team in that second half. I'm kind of shocked by how little Southgate was able to change Mm -hmm. and how much of the ball the United States had. And in that way, I think it goes to Joe's point that there is a little bit of a feeling that there's an opportunity missed here that maybe with some more aggressive changes, things could have gone the other way. It's just that it's that double-edged sword because at the same time, if you do get more aggressive, maybe you do leave yourself more open, maybe there are some holes, and then England do get back into this one. It's very finely balanced. I think there's an argument that the U.S. could have done a little bit more... More on this one I'm still pretty pleased with the way it played out
1: I, I would be too I think the US just had they looked like had way more energy certainly it felt more like first half of that first game uh, all the way through for this one more impetus in the final third just causing problems when moving the ball quickly in the final third as well which is something I don't think the US uh, the English were prepared for very very, very well and you mentioned about Southgate making changes didn't really make it until <laughs> it was far too late like yeah. This team needed creativity. It was screaming out yeah. for a Grealish or a Foden. We got Foden in the end, but the plan Grealish B, the end, yeah. what we needed yeah. to make a breakthrough, was Jordan Henderson. Yeah, the, the look on Ryan's face when he's
4: calling for substitutes while we're watching the game in BR, and I think uh, John Strong or, or, or Stu Holden had said something on the call that angle they're preparing some changes. And then the, the camera looks to the bench and it's Jordan, Jordan Henderson, Henderson, and the look on Ryan's face oh. was one of despair at that point.
1: That 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 was. I mean, he doesn't awesome bad. And he got he made some. Attacking movements when he came on, so I wouldn't yeah. say it was terrible. But like Mason Mount was on for the entire game. Yeah. James, James Madison is sitting there; he's got zero England <laughs> minutes in this <laughs> tournament.
3: He's sitting there. Foden,
4: Foden as well. Trent Alexander Arnold. Yeah. yeah. And, all, right. Okay. All,
3: right. all right. I feel like we I feel like now we've like not only like stabbed <laughs> Ryan four times, but now
4: we're definitely pouring well, salt into the wounds a
3: little bit. A little bit. Let me take a little bit of salt out because this isn't fun. This isn't. Yeah. It, it's not enjoyable to watch it for an England fan, but. England very clearly in the second half were playing for the draw. I I watched back through this game, some of it on fast-forward a bit, some of it you know, just at regular time. And England, you can see it in the second half. The U.S. Mm. do have Mm -hmm. more of the ball in the opening stages. England are are sort of willing to be back in that 4-4-2 shape of their own. They're not really all that bothered about getting forward in the attack. And it's very telling to me that it is Jordan Henderson that comes on. That Mm -hmm. is not like a... That, that is not Gareth Southgate thinking, oh, Hendo's going to be the guy to get us a goal. It's thinking, oh, Hendo's going to be the guy to make sure that we get a point out of this game. Mm-hmm. And that is, yeah. like I said, it's not fun. It's not entertaining for an England fan. But England now on four points, a win against Iran, a draw against Wales, a draw against the U.S., they, don't, they only need a, a point right. to make sure they're through. So right. they don't need to win on the last day. They're in a very comfortable position right now if you're an England fan— Again, you, you suffered through this game a bit, but yeah. odds are you're going to be fine.
1: And say, I say I was suffering, but it was Graham mentioning that England Scotland game at Euro 2020 that made me feel better and made me think of that mm-hmm. dial. And I think there's a conscious choice to turn yeah. that dial Agreed. to mm-hmm. we're going to see It's like, a good we're illustration for a draw. Yeah. And I feel better about the whole situation now because, as you say, England are in the yeah. driving seat in this group. Yes, and uh, they didn't need to. Maybe I was being a bit hasty saying James Madison's got zero minutes; he still has zero minutes. <laughs> but uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, the the right thing yeah. arguably was done here.
4: I think England, this England team are built for knockout football. I think we saw that at the Euros last summer. I think the the fundamentals of their team are still strong, even if the tempo wasn't there or the execution wasn't there today. So if I was an England fan, yes, I'd be frustrated with some of the decisions. In this game in particular, I wanted Southgate, or I didn't want Southgate, I was quite glad that he didn't do this. But speaking generally, if I was an England fan, I would want him to push the fullbacks higher so that England were attacking with essentially a front five at times. And that didn't really happen. It felt like there was space in the wide areas to exploit, particularly with the US playing so narrowly. And you could argue that the US were kind of funneling uh, England out into those wide areas Mm -hmm. purposely. And there was a period in in the first half where Saka. Was getting in behind a couple of times. There's was one of the best chances for yeah. England when Harry Kane has a shot. Yeah, tenth minute, ninth minute. Yeah, yeah, Walker Zimmerman, I think, or Tim Ream makes the block in the middle. And at that Zim, point, yeah. it kind of felt like England were starting to figure out the US. But then the US shift into a midfield three. They bring Musa over to uh, provide some protection on that side. And beyond that, there wasn't really any reaction from England at all beyond the, the first ten minutes, where you had Southgate yeah. out in the touchline saying four four two to his players, which clearly was an instruction to change it, uh, um, to exploit some space. It Excuse me. Beyond that, there was nothing really from England. It felt to me like the United States had been
2: briefed more than anything, don't concede, in the first 15 minutes. Because they came out and they looked. Better. I liked the shape change. I think it ended up working really well. Joe and I, were, or at least I'll speak for myself, was pretty nervous that we were going to see like the empty bucket four four two, where there wasn't much pressure and England could just have all the ball and all the time and space. Uh, but the the United States initially just looked nervous. There were some misplaced passes. There there was a lack of cover, especially with Saka. I think he has three different times he gets in behind. And after those fifteen minutes, I think they grow into the game. I think they get some confidence. I think they keep the ball a bit more. They move it, and I think. Mostly you can see there's sparks where, oh, we can dribble, oh, we can take people on, oh, we can combine well. And I think the center backs were good in their distribution for the most part. Zimmerman lets himself down a few times, especially in the second half. But as the game goes on, I think the United States gained confidence, gained some structure. Uh, continued to change where players were taking up defensive positions to, I think, uh, thwart any adjustments that Gareth Southgate was making. And and so overall, I'm pleased with the way the United States was able to kind of weather those opening moments and then start to take more control Mm. of the game.
4: And in an attacking sense, Joe, you've mentioned during this tournament the difference between control and dominance. So in in periods of this game, England had lots of control. They had control, but they didn't have dominance. And I'm just looking at a a graphic from Opta here Mm. which shows attacking sequence involvements um, which is an involvement in open play um, leading to a, a shot, a sequence leading to a shot. And the list here, so we've got Christian Pulisic on eight, uh, Wes McKenney, seven, Sergino Des six, Walker Zimmerman, five, Eunice Musa, four, Tim Ream, four, Anthony Robinson, four, Mason Mount, three, hmm. the only English player in this list, and then Matt Turner, Wait, three, that- Hadji Wright, three. Oh, I genuinely thought you were just listing US players. No, no, that's the top. Players for the whole match. Yeah. So that kind like, of tells it. you that not only were the U.S. set up well, yeah. but they actually, in an attacking sense, were producing as well.
3: And, and this is the this is the bit that is so difficult for me to articulate about this game is I, I was genuinely encouraged by their performance. Mm-hmm. I think there's so much to like about this performance the job is just not done and I'm almost having a hard time separating this game and what we saw today and how excited I was and I really was nervous and you fellas know I was thinking yesterday like this thing is done this thing's over I didn't think the US had a shot I was feeling it yesterday you you flipped like half of the second
0: half this is ridiculous they're only
2: throwing and
3: that's (laughs) the thing that's the thing is it it became very apparent to me that the US had something (laughs) here and now I just can't get the Iran game out of my head on Tuesday is as good as this performance was none of it matters like none of it matters if the US doesn't go out there and break Iran down. And that's the scary thing. I said this on the BR show. I'll say it again here. I think it will be ironic in all the ways that make me just feel so bad inside. It will be beautifully ironic in so many different ways if the U.S. against Iran come out and they have to break Iran down, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what's going to happen, to be clear. Iran's going to be in either a four-four-two or a 541 They're going to be sitting deep. They did that against England very poorly. They did that against Wales much better because Wales are worse than England. That's a part of it. But they're going to be sitting deep. The U.S. is going to have to break them down. Berhalter comes into this job in December of 2018 mm. and talks about how he wants to use the ball to disorganize the opponent and create chances. He talks mm. about wanting to change the way the world views American soccer. This is the moment. Right? Is it was boss. It, it should have been England, right? It should have mm. been England because they have the prestige, they have the talent, they have the, the money involved in the team, they have the names. It's not, right? It's not England as good as this performance was. And maybe you could argue, and I, I wouldn't make this argument, that it wasn't good enough at the end. It all comes down to Tuesday against Iran. And so... I just can't separate yep. these two things. They have to break Iran down. If they don't, this team is going home from Qatar, probably on Wednesday, having failed. Taylor, you said that on the BR yep. show. This like We can't use these as building blocks, right? These are do-and-die moments. Mm-hmm. The U.S. basically just staved off death today? Dude, th- that's the best way to put it, is that, to, to <sighs> me, this was the most important game under
2: Greg Berhalter's tenure. It's the most important game with him in charge. They get the draw. And now Iran, the next game, is is the the most most important game of Greg Berhalter's tenure, because if you don't win that game, you're out of the World Cup, and that's what this entire thing has been building towards. So it's strange to say that this was a good enough performance that we drew England, Mm -hmm. a team that we were worried could beat us 5-0, potentially, and yet at the same time... If you don't beat a run, if you don't like bring it in that next yeah. game, it's all kind and, of for
3: naught. And this is where I'll do my bit, and then I'll, I'll be done on this whole permutations thing. This this conversation we're having now is the reason why I do wish the U.S. pushed it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's the reason why I do wish Giorena was on the field, really from the jump, against, yep. Wales, against Wales. But I wish he'd been on the field more today. I don't know what's going on with the injury. But, you know, three points for the U.S. Yep. today against England, which was there for the taking. I think all four of us would agree with that. It was mm-hmm. there for the taking. 3 points today against against uh, against England means the US doesn't have to beat a run to get through they just need a point. Still difficult to do mm. that, but they only needed a point instead of 3. That is like a noticeable difference in how I feel about that game on Tuesday. Maybe it doesn't change things for anybody else, but that is my my biggest point of frustration M- with
4: this game. Maybe it's the Scott in me that is still thinking this is fine like imagine <laughs> the this is fine meme but without yeah. the fire. I'm just sitting there having yeah. a cup of tea. This is fine. Uh, I would I would take uh, yeah. one match shoot out, win it mm. and you're through and a World Cup. I would take that Yeah, all day. It, and that is,
3: that's is—that's a fine outcome. Like I, I think that's a pretty realistic outcome and probably always was for the US. Maybe it was a different way to get there. But one point or two, the U.S. happens to be on two because they get a point today, but if you're on one, you still need to beat Iran, and if you beat Iran, you're going through. So that, that's the part yeah. that sort of gets me a bit.
2: I know we're going long in this first segment. My guess would be the second segment will also be about this game. I will just note, uh, Joe mentioned Gio Reyna there. I initially wasn't so bummed that he came in late. The more I think about it, the more I watch this game, the more I re- or rewatch this game, the more I realize probably should have come in earlier. Uh, we saw some tweets that he was fully fit, that there is some frustration between him and Greg Berhalter that maybe Burhalter could have chosen him. All I will say is we do not know anything no. yet. We, we were checking up until the time we started recording for quotes about that. Thus far, I've seen nothing. So I don't really feel comfortable speculating on some of the theories out there that I saw online. All I'll say is would have loved to see more Gio Reyna. Not sure why we didn't. And hopefully, as we find out, we're able to talk about that hmm. pretty soon.
1: I think the physio looked at him and said, Yeah, they're good for
4: seven minutes, those hammies. (laughs) Yeah, exactly seven. (laughs) Whose hamstrings are these? Because they're not yours. (laughs) Oh, Oh, they're Joe Lowry's. (laughs) Those are
3: mine. Somebody tweeted me, Oh, Joe Lowry's calves entering the US game in the 83rd minute, whatever that was. Thank you for that.
1: All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, more on this one. Back shortly.
2: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
5: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to com slash courtside to learn more. Total Soccer Show,
1: welcome back to our World Cup D5 coverage. A uh, Joe? Man of the match was Christian Pulisic, had four shots. He came closest to scoring, (laughs) arguably. He was a good performer, but his name's not Tyler Adams. There it is, right. I saw a few tweets of that. I want to be really
2: clear. The reason why Joe was just laughing is because I was emphatically nodding, but I was doing so without making a noise. Joe wasn't laughing at his own joke, but Joe is correct that it's wrong that it was Christian Pulisic.
3: Christian Pulisic, I thought, had a a good game. I thought a lot of U.S. players had a good game. I'd be be hard-pressed to pick out now that I'm thinking through a U.S. player in the starting eleven that had an actively bad game. Maybe Shaq Moore fits into that category off the bench, yep. but Tyler Adams had a great game. Right? Yep. I am I'm actively refreshing the FIFA post-match report page mm-hmm. to try to find how much it's ground. just come through. Oh, Graham, oh. <laughs> can <laughs> you please lay it on me? I want to know how much ground Tyler Adams covered in this game because it felt like a lot.
4: Joe, There are 52 pages of this report. Okay. I don't well, need well, a well, more right, time. Right, well, well, you enough.
2: guys do that, I've got numbers for you. 100% of tackles won, 100% of aerial duels won, 87% pass accuracy, 60 touches, 2 of 3 long balls completed, 2 clearances, 100% final third pass accuracy, 46 passes, 8 times possession, 1, uh, 4 duels, 1, 2 fouls, 1, 2 clearances, 1 interception, and the most important one for me, 0 Times dribbled past. The way he worked off the ball, the way he organized the defense, even in those first 15 minutes when things looked a little bit rocky, you could see him communicating with all of his teammates, with Greg Berhalter, making sure people were, were where they needed to be. He was covering for teammates when they were caught out. He was covering ground when he needed to to provide that defensive cover. Uh, he carried the ball forward. He drew fouls. The one that will stand out for me is contesting a 50-50 with Mason Mount. He turns Mount, draws the foul, gets a free kick, slows it down. I, I thought he was if not undeniably then very much in my mind the best player for the united states
4: certainly the most important yeah and think about how fearful we all were of Jude Bellingham before this game yeah. and Jude Bellingham was he playing apparently <laughs> so i didn't know that until he, he was subbed off was he not subbed off for uh, Jordan Henderson was yes, that another change that was that was the most notable thing about Jude Bellingham's uh, performance was being subbed off for Jordan Henderson but nonetheless Jude Bellingham i feel I, I felt didn't have an influence in this game and obviously part of that is down to the 442 shape i really like that shape just going back to the tactical Aspect of this I like the shape because it recognized the two valves in this England team yep. of Declan Rice and Jude Bellingham and it cut off the supply line into them into those two players. Tyler Adams was a big part of that and then looking at the the start of the second half or the 15 minute period at the start of the second half it went a little bit further for the US where they started to get the pockets of space in behind mm-hmm. Rice and Bellingham as well and Tyler Adams not just in terms of breaking up uh, opposition moves but progressing the ball from deep as well was really really important uh, as, as well so what a, a fantastic performance by him I thought I, I'm going to do like an assumption here I think Joe is less comfortable
2: w- w- with making these sort, sort of leaps of logic but to Graham's point you have that front two they're sitting in front of England's double pivot and I think Gary Southgate very quickly recognises it's a 4-4-2 Stu Holden pointed out he says 4 4 in the broadcast, and at a certain point Jude Bellingham then starts to take up a position further up the pitch, and that is basically to have Mount and Bellingham either side of Tyler Adams, so that England can bypass those front two it into either of them, and Tyler Adams is trying to mark both of them, and I'm going to call that he is informing Greg Berhalter, there's an overload here, I need help here. And I think that's part of why you saw him sort of gesturing around. And at that point, the formation changes again, at least adjusts in that moment to more of a 4-3-3, as Graham mentioned earlier, you get more numbers around there centrally and it negates what England were trying to do to negate what the United States were trying to do. And in that way, it was was an interesting albeit nerdy chess match, but a chess match that I think Greg Berhalter did well to uh, basically play to a a draw. But I think also the U.S. players did really well to evaluate on the fly and figure out what needed to be done.
3: So I have some Adams numbers. I've combed through the 53 pages that I just used Apple F, Graham, on my my keyboard. Yeah, and then search for it. It wasn't too tough. Um, But Adams did not finish. It did take you a little bit of time. Well, I I have three stats, not just one. So Tyler Adams finished fourth in ground covered in this game, which actually shocks me. I thought he would be first. He was behind Eunice Musa, Anthony Robinson. Christian Pulisic. And Declan Rice. Wow. If I've done my math correctly, Uh, Anthony Robinson was very, very close in that metric, but Polisic finishes just ahead of Tyler Adams. Declan Rice was first, Musa was second, and then Polisic, and then Tyler Adams. That's one stat. I got two more for you. And I think these will feel a little bit more accurate based off what we saw. He had the second most sprints in this game for the uh, U.S. Yeah. behind yeah. Jedi Robinson, mm-hmm. and he had the, the most high-speed runs. I believe the difference in that and how they're calculated by those pods they wear mm-hmm. um, during games is they're just a different speed threshold. So high-speed runs starts at you know eight, 8 point whatever meters per second to whatever, and then sprints is just below or just above, whatever it is. Adams is in the top five for all of those metrics. You could see it on the field. He intervened at pretty much every correct moment, made some huge tackles, covered ground when the fullbacks pushed up. He had a phenomenal performance in this game.
2: All I hear there is that uh, when we used to do warm-ups and our coach would say, like, all right, 50% speed on the jog back. And then, like, 100% speed, so you're sprinting. And then there'd always be 75% speed. And I was never entirely sure how to, like, calculate that sure. as I was running. Now it's I'm it's hearing between
1: it. the two previous ones.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you, right? But now it's, it's sprints versus high speed Fever or it FIFA yes, exactly. does it for you is the answer. FIFA does it for you. They yeah. finally figured it out.
1: Yeah. Um, so, Group B, as we see it now, we talked a little bit about permutations in the first half. Let's get into it now, though. England with four points. Iran with three points. The US, two points. Wales with one point, as Michael Sheen <laughs> would say. Um, so, obviously, it's all down to this last Tuesday uh, of games, USA versus Iran, England versus Wales. All four teams currently can go through. Mm-hmm. So, it's all to play for. US, Joe, just need three points, as you mentioned oh, there. Yeah. Uh, three points against an Iran team that only probably only needed a point if they're gambling on it, if they're gambling on um, the the Welsh result. Yes. Yeah. So that's going to be a tall task against an Iran team we know is coached by Carlos Guérez, we know can bunker down, and we know may not be interested in scoring.
3: It's, it's a tricky one for the US. We've seen sort of a Jekyll and Hyde version mm-hmm. of Iran at this tournament. They come out in the first game in England. England obliterate them as a team, but then it's it is just these killer defensive moments for Iran, where you know Marcus Rashford comes on the field and he just skates past the defender, and it, it's like he's carving through butter. Right? It, it was it was brutal to watch for Iran in that game. They were much better today against Wales, and maybe we'll do a beat on their game in, in a bit here. Mm. But Iran have it in them to make life very very difficult for the United States. There is a permutation here that I I, I don't know exactly how it will change the outcome of this game. So. Wales can theoretically beat England, which will put them on four points. England on four points as well. If Iran get a draw against the U.S., they'll be on four points. Then it's the goal difference game. And Iran, that's the one thing Iran cannot control is the goal difference that Wales and England will have. It is unlikely for that to happen, for Wales to beat England. But Iran may or may not have something to play for as these games unfold on Tuesday. Either way, the U.S. needs three points. It is not going to be easy for them. I, uh, I'm both nervous and very, very excited for Tuesday at the same time. If we
2: want to see the decisions made later in the game as positives, and I'm saying like I'm actively trying to see this as positive, Joe, you tell me how convincing this is. We saw Serginho Dest be pretty frustrated that he was substituted off. If we see it as you're on a yellow, we don't want you suspended for that final game. Mm-hmm. We want to give you a little bit more of a rest. Gio Reyna, we wanted to see maybe 30 minutes of. We only get like seven and uh, injury time. But if we're seeing it as I want to get make sure he's he gets like a little bit of match experience, he gets on the pitch, we see how he does. But if he starts against Iran, McKenney avoids a yellow in this one, he comes off as well. Can you see an argument that Greg Berhalter decides, I... I if we get a goal, great, yeah. but if we can see this one out with a draw and we keep ourselves in a position to have uh, Reyna and Pulisic and McKinney and Dest and whomever else ready to go, yeah. then I guess it
3: becomes a stronger result. I, I think that's what Beralter thought. Mm-hmm. Like, if I if you had to ask me, gun, gun to my head, or, or I do putting have money on this, you. yeah, I would say that was exactly Beralter's line of, of reasoning. It is a big win for the U.S. that Dest and McKinney get through this game without yellow cards. Mm-hmm. Same with Tim Ream. Cal Nacosta doesn't play, but, I mean, he, he's in that group as well, I guess. Those players will be available from the jump against Iran, and I would expect Reem, Dest, and McKenney to all start in that game. It is it is still more conservative, right, than yep. maybe it needed to be, but yep. I can see the logical thread that Boralter's pulling there. Maybe not the one I would have pulled, but yeah, there's something there. Okay. Because
2: even at the very end, I think, to see, you, we saw him, the US gets that free kick at the very end, we see Greg Berhalter pointing at his watch. Oh, and I think yeah. a lot of people took that as play into the corner, kill this game off. I, I, I'm inclined to believe that what that was was wait so that this is the very last action. And I think they tried to run a design set piece. I don't think it came yeah. off. But but I think there was an element there of let's not give anything up
4: and let's make sure we can leave ourselves in a strong position against Iran. Joe, set pieces. What did you think of them in this game? Because that was obviously a big talking point before this one. Bear in mind, US had a billion corners. They did. I mean, I mentioned
3: that, that sequence earlier in the game, that series earlier in the game, where they have, I think, five crosses in five or six minutes. I thought Polisic's deliveries were generally better in this game. It seemed to me that the issues, I guess it's hard to tell without being inside the team, but Polisic had a, a lot of balls that I thought were put into dangerous places in the box. Mm-hmm. And there was no one there. There was no right? run. And there so is, yeah. I don't know if those are misplayed passes or if that was Pulisic doing his job and no one else doing theirs. I don't know how to interpret that. I think one of the reasons that
1: England uh, are under the belief Harry Maguire was the best player on the field for England was because of those corners. Yeah. There was that series of like five corners. Yeah. He made over
2: half of England's clearances, eight of the 15. He ranked second among his teammates in touches and passes. Yeah, yeah It was goes. all down to him, yeah. basically. Yeah.
1: There was, I think, a couple of those corners consistently. where Walker
3: Zimmerman was near the back post sure. and had no one there. It's- Maguire hadn't got to it, Maybe maybe this is another... I don't think this is a dial. I don't think this is how dials work, but maybe this is a case of well, Pulisic doesn't nail any of his deliveries, but there's some movement in the box. Mm-hmm. Match day one. Now Pulisic has the deliveries, but there's not really the right movement in hey. the box. Match day three. Goldilocks, Hello baby. there. Just yeah, you got it.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> Progress, we call that,
2: right? Maybe. But I think there was, I, I think his delivery, I was cynically expecting like, the first big one to go right into the, the first line of defenders. And I do think it was better. It's still troubling to me that there wasn't an end product there. That like the closest one is when maybe it's an Olympico attempt. Maybe it's supposed to land at the back post for somebody, but there's no nobody there I still wish the United States would run a few more design set pieces I don't think we ever see them take it short and just try to possess the ball I hope they do that more against Iran because
1: I don't think lumping it into that box I think that's exactly what Iran will want them to do for the next game Graham would you do if you were Mr. Bearhalter if you were in those lovely Nike sneakers Mm. whatever they may be would you set up things differently would you have any different um, players in there we'd you right, obviously coming in for this game for Josh Sargent any personnel changes or set up
4: changes you'd make so we haven't talked about Hadji Wright yet in any mm-hmm. depth so maybe we should maybe we should touch that base sure. the the inclusion of Hadji Wright from the start for this game was interesting and unexpected yep. I think it's fair to say mm-hmm. um, and probably the, the biggest talking point ahead of the match I expected that Wright would be in the team to match up against Harry Maguire but it was actually the case that Wright and Wayne were standing off stones and Maguire and kind of winning the ball back into the midfield and Wright did some decent things on the defensive side of the ball he was getting back and there were some moments out on the right side in particular where he was getting his body in the way and he was clearing any danger but in terms of his attacking play I'm not entirely sure what he contributed so I theoretically would favour Jesus Ferreira coming into the team for the Iran game just because I think Jesus Ferreira is most effective at playing against a low defensive block, dropping deep, tr- at least trying to pull opposition defenders out of out of, out of mm-hmm. position, out of place. Maybe Iran don't engage him in that way, but you might as well try. And I don't think we saw enough from Josh Sargent in the first game to suggest that he can do that job. So Ferreira, I think the number nine is going to be... Uh, a big talking point, and then Giorena. I guess well, obviously we don't know what's going on in the background there, but Giorena is—is this the game for him to break down a team like Iran?
2: Again, this Iran game becomes the most important game of Greg Berhalter's tenure, and this is where I think he earns his money. Hopefully, earns a reputation because I, I, in the BR show, I wasn't really confident that Jesus Ferreira made a lot of sense hearing Graham talk about it thinking about it some more I mm. am now especially if there is a secondary plan if there is a we play Jesus Ferreira for the first half we, we see if his movement can open up space if he can pull defenders out create opportunities for other players or maybe himself create some opportunities but if that's not working there needs to be a secondary or even third plan so that the United States aren't just trying more of the same if that's not working I'm, I'm down to start Jesus Ferreira I think he's he's earned it for his past play especially in qualifying but I I need there to be a pre-planned uh, adjustment, some ideas that are already there. Because what I do still believe is that the United States isn't particularly great at on-the-fly changes uh, as like the opponent presents wrinkles. I think if England and Gareth Southgate had done a little bit more, made a, like, a really aggressive change at halftime, I don't think the second half plays out the way it does. And so I think if it's Jesus Ferreira, I just hope that either the United States jumps out to an early lead or we see pre-planned structural changes that allow the United States to play uh, better attacking soccer.
1: My final question for you on this one, gents. Did you think the USMNT would have more than two points after two games? And subsequently, are you happy with where this team is right now, Joe?
3: I can't remember what I predicted for the Wales game. I, I really cannot remember what I thought that game would be. I,
4: I, th- I think you got it right, did you not? You said,
3: you I think said 1-0. I, I think I said a draw for did, that game yeah. and a draw for this game. So I guess I have to say no. Would I have been surprised if the US walked out with four after beating Wales and drawing England? Not, not really, but two points feels about right for the US and, and what I thought of this team coming into this tournament. Ryan, what was the second half of your question? Are then? you happy with this progress this team has made and where it is right now? Not truly happy. Deep down, I'm not. I'm encouraged by a lot of the soccer Mm. that we saw on the field today. It feels like a moral victory. This is just not the place for moral victories, right? I mean, if this game comes in a friendly or if it comes even in in match day one and we're building towards Wales and then to Iran, I feel differently. I do. The the order of these games matters and how I internalize these games. Ryan, I, I guess I have to say no, I don't feel incredibly encouraged about the spot that the U.S. is in right now.
2: Uh, I think I mostly agree. I would say this, that I, I wanted the United States to beat Wales. I thought they would. So that felt to me like a missed opportunity. We talked about it. Everyone heard how annoyed I was in that uh, in that review show. What? But that that they then are able to get a point against England, that is the result I wasn't sure would be able to happen. And I think playing aggressive soccer, having the ball, creating chances, moving it really well, or mostly well. Again, United States is still getting United States and pass it out of bounds needlessly or give it away for a final free kick. Thanks, Walker Zimmerman. I needed that heart attack. But I think overall, there was more grit to this team and there were moments where All I can say is that watching the United States play in 2002, there are electrifying moments, but it is still that, like, it is heart, it is energy, it is hard work, it is hustle, it is knocking people off the ball. There were moments today when Musa would turn out of possession. McKinney did a a roulette out of possession. There were controls in tight spaces that I do not think the United States could have done years ago. And in that way, this team looked technically better. They weren't, like, as inspiring as they could have been if they get that win. If they get a win against Wales, I think there's a world in which they have six points from two games. But with that said... I felt like it was positive performances, ideally trending in the right direction. If they win against Iran, forgive me for going long, but if they win against Iran, then yes, it's a a great World Cup so far. They've been improving from game to game. If they lose against Iran, then it, it is time for a change in my mind.
4: I'm kind of split in my thoughts. I kind of differentiate between results and performances. So in terms of the performances, generally speaking, I think the US have actually been better in this World Cup than I expected them to be. As I say, that's not necessarily reflected in the results, but there's been tempo, there's been cohesion. And I was worried there'd, there'd be none of that at this World Cup coming out of those September friendlies. Maybe we put too much stock or some people put too much stock in those September friendlies. But the results are probably just about on par. I always thought it'd come down to the final game. If you look at past mm-hmm. US World Cups, even in, in World Cups when they've got out of the group, it tends to come down to that final game. And that's just the way it is for Tier 2 teams. Yeah. If you're not France or Spain or or not Italy at this World Cup, but you get the point I'm making. <laughs> L- literally
2: every World Cup I can remember because even in 2010 or 2006 they needed to beat Ghana to get out mm-hmm. uh, 2014 they they are reliant on other results to get out 2018 they're obviously not there 2002 it's the last game and they're reliant on another team to get a result it, it is a consistent yeah. theme for the United States they never make it easy
4: yeah I mean how many teams are through going into I mean we've only played uh, you know today's the first round of, of, of two games but like the Dutch aren't through yeah are they I don't believe so. no exactly so nope it's, it's difficult to get through before only playing two games in a three-game group. That is, that is a dominant team that does that, and the U.S. Yeah. at this point just aren't that team. No one is through. One team is out, and they
1: wear the color of the jersey that of the sweatshirt you are wearing right now.
2: <laughs>
3: Which is maroon, to be clear, for everyone. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, indeed. We'll talk about them and the other games that happened on this here Black Friday after this short break. Back shortly.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
1: Total Soccer Show, welcome back to our World Cup Day 5 preview. Is it Day 5? I think it is. I've lost track of all time. I think it's 6, is it not? I don't know, Graham. <laughs> I don't know. Let's roll on. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> six. It's 6. Okay, thank you. Wales nil, around 2. Uh, the first goal from outside the box in this game, Joe, I believe. The first winner in injury time as well in this tournament. Uh, Wayne Hennessy, goalkeeper for Wales, yeah. sent off for an attempted flying scissor kick outside his box, it seemed to be. And we had 2 injury time goals that followed that. In in, in Wales, don't they just call that a hug? Is that not what a Welsh Welsh hug is? Irish goodbye, Welsh kiss. Welsh kiss, I think
3: they call that, yeah. I kind of wish the USA-England game wasn't today because this one was wild. The ending was wild and if if the US-England game wasn't here, we probably would have given it a bit more time further up in the show. But yeah, the the ending to this game was crazy. The Hennessy red card, he comes out of his box trying to deal with the ball that's coming to Taremi for Iran as they try to break and he does not make contact with the ball. Instead, he makes contact with Taremi and I believe his face and just the rest of his body. (laughs) Initially, it's a yellow card. Then it's ruled a red card after VAR takes a look at it. Uh, That was just in this moment because it was a brutal challenge. And I mean absolutely brutal. And then after that, obviously, Wales are down to 10 men. Iran, it doesn't seem like they're going to get a goal even against a a 10-man Wales team. They have 10 minutes that goes by. And it is deep, deep into second half stoppage time before Wales get, uh, before Iran get the goal that they needed to in this game. It's a nice finish uh, from from Shesmi in that moment in the 98th minute, and then they get another goal to just rub salt fully in the room, uh, in the wound in the what would that be quick Matt? 101st minute yeah. in this particular game. A good win for Iran. They executed
4: their game plan much better on this game than they did against England. And it keeps their hopes alive in this tournament. This is a rhetorical question. I don't have the answer. But 101st minute regulation time goal has to be one of the latest goals ever in World Cup history. I feel like we've already had eight of those in this World Cup, but I I cannot remember, Graham. For regular time, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, not going into extra time. Mm -hmm. It has to to be up there. Joe, so uh, we recorded our, um, like,
2: we've watched everybody play once now, who's good, who's bad show. Yeah, Uh, That'll be out on the Patreon. Uh, we had Iran in the most disappointing, like, worst-looking teams, and then we promised that we would reevaluate after two games. So we're going to yeah. do that prematurely. Yeah. Do you feel like they are the Iran
3: that we expect them to be based on this performance? They do. They they looked much more like the Iran mm. that I had spent time watching footage of and Can talking with people about. Can you say something that isn't that? Um, uh, <laughs> osman comes off before full-time and maybe was, like, limping a tiny... Hey. bit. he should be fine. I'm sure oh. he's going to be fine. Uh, Iran looked much better in this game. I think there's two pieces of this, right? One is that Wales are not England, and they do not mm-hmm. do well when they have to break a team down. Much like the U.S., I might add. Ha, ha, ha. They do not do well in those situations. England today didn't look all that good at doing that either. But Iran just, just had nothing to give in mm-hmm. that first game. So, yes, Wales were poor, mm-hmm. and that made Iran's life easier, but they just straight-up executed better. Tremi and Osman were a handful to deal with on the break, even though they didn't get that breakthrough until late on in this match, until second-half stoppage time. Yeah, I mean, Iran look much, much better to the point where a lot of the stuff that listeners you'll hear me say on the Patreon show, if you're listening to it, is maybe even a little out of date at this point. Rot roll Well, we're
1: going to obviously talk a bit more about Iran in the coming days. Uh, My favorite quote from Reddit, Joe, from this game. Yeah. Wales are fantastic. They just need to work on their midfield, defense, attack, passing, (laughs) ketters, clearing, crosses, tackles, pressing, and finishing.
3: Yep. Checks out. That seems to apply from this game. I wasn't particularly impressed with them against the US, and I was not at all impressed with them against Iran. Okay. Gareth Bale's first foray into the World Cup is not going particularly well. He became the record
1: cap holder for Wales in this game. His hundred and tenth appearance—a very sad day for soccer. This was because he overtook uh, Chris Gunter, AFC Wimbledon's Chris Gunter, ah, as the all-time cap holder for Wales. Is. So let's all pour some out for. I'm in mourning. Uh, Gunter, as of course, is the um, is the Danny Alves figure in this camp. He's there for Bants and Bants alone. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, some, some uh, pause them out for that. Also, one thing that's noti- notable about this game was the Iran fans in the stadium here. They sang the anthem this time, did the team, but we had the, uh, the fans crying in the stands. They were booing through it. I would, I'd just like to read, if I could, uh, some text messages I received from a friend who was in the stadium for this one, uh, an English friend who's gone out and went to both uh, this game and the uh, England-USA game, and said of this game, so many England fans sitting around us who were so impressed with the Iran fans' support and protest on Monday that they bought tickets for the Iran end Mm. for this game today. We were in the Iran end, and the way they celebrated, protested, shouted for freedom, and the women there in shorts and Iran shirts, you could cry for them. Then the two goals in injury time, genuinely Mm. one of the best sporting atmospheres I've ever been in. And this is a person who's been in many, many sporting atmospheres. So it it drives home, you know, we're watching this at 5am here, we might not get the sense of emotion and the sense of occasion that was there in that
3: stadium as well pretty cool right that's amazing that is an amazing story from someone who's there in this game a great story for iran as well it's unfortunate that they're playing the u.s on the final day because that certainly colors sort of how i watch that game but i mean iran a fantastic story and a great result for them as well
2: Uh, at the risk of going even longer i mean with that in mind though there is like there's a feeling in my mind that it's very akin to scotland playing ukraine and and it makes me wonder, Graham. Like, what, what were your feelings when Scotland potentially qualifying for the first World Cup in a very long time, but going up, up against a, a Ukrainian team that you know the whole world is backing, and it feels very strange yes. to be opposing them?
4: Yeah, and there's a whole load of emotions that you feel during mm-hmm. that game. It's very difficult to compartmentalize. First you, I'd say his Say uh, yeah, exactly. Compartmentalize those feelings during mm-hmm. the game. Um, but yes, yeah, it's it's. it's it's, obviously this is not the most important aspect of this but if you're talking about being in opposition it, it can be a bit of a distraction actually mm-hmm. I thought for Scotland against Ukraine it, it, it actually distracted our team in mm-hmm. that game and that's where the compartmental oh, I can't even say that word I'm going to stop even trying someone else say it for me someone- <laughs>
1: compartmentalisation
2: is that there what you're we trying to say go.
4: Right. that's where that's important Cool. Word, gotcha.
1: All right, uh, if you'll (laughs) allow me to uh, bust out my Eric Clapton and... While my Qatar gently weeps... I was trying to work that into the intro, I couldn't get it in, I just wanted to say it though. Uh, Qatar won Senegal 3. Qatar scoring their first ever World Cup goal, then getting eliminated from the tournament thereafter. The second host team to exit the competition at the group stage after South Africa in 2010.
2: Wah, wah. Wah, wah. Indeed, yeah. Uh, Joe said Gareth Bale's first foray into the World Cup was not going so well. Ditto for Qatar, the first uh, host team to be eliminated after two games. Uh, and it really wasn't that surprising when you watched this game from start to finish. Uh, Meshal Basham starts in place of al Shib in goal. We talked a lot about al Shib in the last game and how he didn't really inspire confidence, flapped at a lot of things, came off his line when he didn't need to. Basham didn't really inspire that much confidence either. He had a few miskicks. kicks. He, he came off his line plenty of times and didn't get the ball. He really has one where he miscontrols it outside of the box and it gives it right to Senegal and it could have led to chaos. And I think that is sort of par for the course for the way this played out in the first half for Qatar. Senegal sat numbers very high up. Every time there was a goal kick for Qatar, there were at least three Senegalese players at the top of the box. And in the first 15 minutes, Qatar tried to play out. They tried to keep the ball short, and basically it would be plays to one center back, the goalkeeper. Senegal pressure is applied. Plays to the left back. Senegal apply more pressure. Left-back just hoofs it up the field for Afif, and very quickly, Senegal just sat Koulibaly on Afif, and every single long ball cut out by Koulibaly, and then essentially Qatar suffocated from that point, Senegal grow into the game, they get the goal in the first half, maybe things were going to be a little bit different, but then Senegal do the exact same thing and get a goal in what, like the 48th minute or something like that, and it does feel like at that point the game is sort of done for Qatar, and I think uh, Senegal pulled the United States against Wales a little bit and started to sit off. They think, at 2-0, we don't need to keep pressing. We don't need to keep applying all this pressure. And it lets Qatar back in. Qatar get the goal that Ryan mentioned. Senegal add one more for insurance. Uh, And I think Senegal were impressive. The midfield was strong, as we've come to expect. The attack was good, even without Sadio Mane, Dia especially. Uh, and the uh, the flicked-on header from the man whose name I will not be able to pronounce, but I will try. Anyway, Dieju, uh, it's a great header at the near post that he redirects into the side netting. A lovely goal from him, a lovely clincher from Dieng, and I think overall, a strong performance from Senegal. The same thing we said about Ecuador, I'll say about Senegal, though. It was not a strong performance from Qatar. Uh, individual effort was there, but they couldn't execute as a team. And so, though Senegal get the win, they scored three goals, I'm still... Not sure what to make of this team ahead of that uh, final game against Ecuador, which I think will be pretty fascinating.
1: All right, point of order, by the way, I know... Why My Guitar Gently Weeps is a Beatles song, but I do believe Eric Clapton played the lead guitar on there. That's why I mentioned Eric Clapton uh, there. You can tell that we all were super
3: concerned. Yeah, I was livid. you making
1: that Joe potential the their... Italian hands at me.
2: Gra- Graham has yeah. left the studio and is smashing yeah. furniture
1: outside. Mm. That's why. Oh, he's back. Yeah. Hi, oh, Graham. Hey, Graham. Hi. You worked <laughs> yeah, it out? Yeah, yeah. You worked it out? Yeah, I mean, that's okay. just a Friday for me, to be honest. Same thing George Harrison did when he saw what Graham. Eric Clapton was up to with his wife. Anyway, why don't we uh, carry on with this one? Guitar... God that's spicy a little bit but, but kind of true um 7 month boot camp to get ready for this it, tournament yeah. cutting off the qatari oh league as my. well all it for was this. All, worth it. all for this
2: <laughs> it, it it makes me wonder what would have happened if they hadn't done that like would it have been double the scoreline I mean it, it's just crazy because we watched them in the Gold Cup Joe and I have talked about this so many times both in the Gold Cup in the lead up to this World Cup that they looked like a unified team that could cause problems they looked like they uh, could play attacking football if they needed to they could be defensively solid if they needed to be it seemed like they had good technical players in the areas that you need them when you need that next level player for your team to make a difference and that was a fief. you could see him trying some things but when you have him basically in isolation, and then as the game goes on, dropping deeper and deeper and deeper to try to get on the ball and also, I think, escape Koulibaly, because you're never going to win anything uh, when he's around you. Uh, I think it just ends up being a really frustrating tournament. I would say commiserations to Qatar, but I'm not sure how many of their fans were actually there to see the final whistle, because at full time, that stadium had, like, I mean, all of the Senegalese fans still there. And that was pretty much it.
3: Taylor, you can say commiser- commiserations to me because now I have to go back through and scrub all of my... Qatar are actually not as bad as you think before <laughs> just, the tournament because just, they they were as bad as you just thought. Just delete them. not yeah. from
2: every single article and you're good to True. go. <laughs> True. Okay, they that won't take as, bad, as long on the editing side. Thank you.
1: But I mean... I've been watching all the commercials in the Fox coverage. Mm-hmm. Qatar seems like a wonderful place. Mr Q was telling me about how great oh, it is. Yeah. So I'm, still, I'm still up on that place. Mm. So yes, great. yes, of course. Um, Graham, a quick beat, if we can, on yep. the game that eliminated Qatar from this tournament. Netherlands won. Ecuador won. Enna Valencia <laughs> scoring his third <laughs> World Cup goal. Then going off on a stretcher in this one. And Cody Gakpo with the opener early on.
4: Yeah, so this was a match that I was really looking forward to today. And to be honest, it was on the the Ecuador side that the excitement came from. I very much Ecuador. enjoyed what I Ecuador what I saw from them in the in the first match. They're defensively strong. They'd kept seven clean sheets coming into this game, which I wasn't quite aware of. So I, I want to see, wanted to see how the Dutch, with all their talent, would would break them down. Um, for the, the the Dutch, it was a similar system from the the Senegal game, and that it was a back three with two forwards, one in behind, and then a double pivot in midfield but there were some personnel changes so Urien Timber comes in for Matthias De Ligt at right centre back and Davy Klassen started in behind the front two with Gakpo pushed up into the into the place of Vincent Janssen um, there was some interesting stuff on the Ecuador side of, I'm now saying it in that <laughs> <laughs> the Ecuador yeah, there was some interesting stuff from their point of view, Alfaro he changed the system for this match so it was a 4-4-2 against Qatar but it was a, a back three with four across the middle uh, including the wing backs and this game and then Estrada, Valencia and Plata as the front three. Um, and I think that was largely down to numbers and Netherlands playing with a front five in possession, so Alfaro he didn't want to be outnumbered, but the vertical threat was still there. The intensity was also there. I love how Ecuador carry the ball pretty much every time they get it. It makes every game they play very watchable. the off-the-ball runs the movement they play with, and having players like Estebanán and Casado and Presiado, who's been one of the stars, unexpected stars of this tournament, for me, they are fearless, and they play 100, mile an hours for, 100 miles an hour for the full 90 minutes. And arguably, they're the team that I've enjoyed watching most at this World Cup <laughs> so far. Certainly a team that has been better than I expected. I thought they were going to be pretty good. I think I said that in, in, in my preview. And there's just such cohesion to how they play. From the Netherlands side of things their midfield is a concern so go- Cody Gakpo scores a very good goal in this game to put them 1-0 up I'm getting very yes, TSS legend Cody Gakpo yes indeed I'm feral. getting yep. very strong 2014 Hamas Rodriguez vibes yeah. from him and that it feels like someone's going to pay a lot of money for mm. him a big club's so going to pay a going to be a giant lot... bug land on his shoulder and then we know it's a sign <laughs> indeed indeed I forgot that <laughs> actually noted. happened do we, know even, do, we, do we know what that bug was Was that was, that was a mystery that get to the bottom of that? So sure big. of course <laughs> so yeah he, he feels like the Hamas Rodriguez of this tournament but beyond Cody Gakpo some issues for the Netherlands the, the midfield is a concern for the Netherlands at this World Cup they have Frankie de Jong in there and there were there were times in this match when he was the only thing stopping the Dutch from being pressed to death by Ecuador because of how he can break the lines and what he does Frankie de Jong things but I don't see a pace setter for the Netherlands in the middle of the pitch Ake was fre- frequently stepping into the, the middle of the pitch and then Miners and Klassing were were being uh, isolated so yeah a lot of problems the left side is a problem as well for the Dutch Thank you very much, Graham Ruddman. One
1: final thing to do on this podcast, very specific predictions for Saturday's slate of games. We've got the 5am gang, gang, gang. He'll be watching Tunisia versus Australia. 8am, we've got Poland versus Saudi Arabia. Mm-mm. And 11am, we've got France versus Denmark. That's more like it. And then the 2pm game, Argentina versus Mexico. Let's start off with the early one, Taylor. A prediction for Tunisia versus Australia.
2: I'm sticking with my dude, Lydouni. Uh I, I liked what we saw from him in the first game. I think he's going to be important When's his first here. crunching
4: tackle yeah. going to be?
1: <laughs> When's his first wrestler pose? I
2: hope inside the first five minutes. I hope that becomes a <laughs> tradition and sets the tone. It does relate to his tackles. Uh, he won four or five ground duels in their opener against Denmark. I think he will win... 80% of his ground duels in this game. And I think he will have at least five of them uh, because I don't expect this to be the most aesthetically pleasing game. I think it's going to be a physical back and forth. I think there will be some challenges. I think there's going to be a lot of contested balls, a lot of maybe aerial challenges and then 50-50 balls that result. And I think Laiduni is that midfield destroyer who's going to be making plays. So he will uh, win over 80% of his ground
1: duels and he will have at least five of them. He's worth waking up for. Sure. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Or worth watching recorded later. There we go. Uh, (laughs) The AAM game, Poland versus Saudi Arabia. I'm going to predict that Poland will have three or fewer shots on target in this game. Uh, Poland only had two on target versus Mexico. The Saudis limited Argentina with their millions of strikers, to six shots on target. So Poland averaged only 3.7 shots on target per game at the last Euros, two and a half shots on target per game at the last Nations League. So I think three or fewer shots on target is a pretty good uh, aim for them here. I think the Saudis can limit them to that. Despite having Robert Lewandowski and, of course, world's greatest Pole, Karol Świderski, in their ranks, I think they're going to struggle to break down this Saudi team. Does that sound right, Joe? Did I do, do good? I think you did good. Thanks, thanks.
3: All right. Tell us about France versus Denmark, then. My prediction, my very specific prediction for this game, is that Simon Kier, center-center back, or or certainly plays in the back line, will break the line, will break lines for Denmark at least 10 times against France. He will complete 10 successful line-breaking passes. He had 9 in their last game, Denmark against Tunisia. I think France will be aggressive in stretches, but I think Denmark, with how much they like to have the ball, and, and France kind of happy to let you mess up, and then attack the other way, I think we will have lots of touches, and I think he's going to try to be proactive with breaking those lines. I mean, if he has more than 10, I think that bodes well for Denmark because mm-hmm. it means they're moving the ball well in possession, but regardless of what the outcome is in this game, I think he's going to have at least 10 line breaks in this game.
2: Uh, Joe, you reminded me of my specific prediction for Senegal. I said they'd have 130 or more attempted line breaks versus... Uh, Qatar, they had 139. Ooh, First prediction very point good. for me. I'm yeah, very excited. good, Taylor. I've got a cookie for you over here. Well done, Taylor. I will eat that cookie. Yeah, I'll give you it. Good. Good. It sounds delicious. It's settled then. Thank you for sharing. All right, then. Graham, finally. You're a valued and treasured friend to
0: me.
4: <laughs> Graham Argentina <laughs> versus Mexico. This one could be... That was a, a, a weird <laughs> moment. Sitting <laughs> in between the two of them as well. <laughs> Graham and I got to play ping pong watching <laughs> back and forth. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's get out of here, Graham. Argentina versus Mexico, please. Yes, I'm going to base my VSP for this match off what we saw from both teams in their opening matches. I don't think Mexico will be quite as reckless with their high line as Saudi Arabia. We're still trying to work out how Saudi Arabia got away with that in their first game. But there will still be space in behind and Argentina will have the players, one player in particular, who can play the balls to exploit that. So Lionel Messi is going to match or better the three key passes he made against Saudi Arabia. I think Lautaro Martinez in particular is going to be on his bike to make runs and Messi is going to find him and Mexico are going to find that difficult to stop I like some yellow cards in here can I have a yellow card bit on this one sure why not
1: yeah feels like a poop poophousery kind of game it does actually yeah, yeah it does it feels yeah. it feels primed for that mm. sort of shenanigans doesn't it hopefully so could be entertaining anyway that's it for today Graham Rothman thank you so much for your analysis today thank you Ryan Bailey I was too enthusiastic there but the sentiment I mean it thank you Ryan Bailey Taylor Rockwell, thank you so much, sir. Thank you, my friend. And Joseph Lowry, pleasure as always.
3: Oh, right back at you.
1: And listener, most of all, thank you for sticking with us throughout this World Cup. Remember, patreon.com slash Show if you want a little more, including a bonus podcast after this one. But for now, bye!